Thanks for joining us for Episode 8 of Season 4 of Couples, Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. The first and third Wednesday of each month, we drop episodes with advice, tips, and real-world experience for partnering in business and life. I'm Jody, a business owner and communication strategist, and a few years ago, we lost power at the house, and we only had the candles that I had bought from Bath & Body Works over the years. Yeah, so. So our home smelled like we were living in a gingerbread house by the ocean, surrounded by lemon trees and baking chocolate chip cookies. There are worse smells, I think. I think each on their own is great, but all together we ended up with headaches and we were still kind of without power. And I wanted cookies that were made from ocean water for some reason. Yeah, it's weird. Very strange craving. I'm Glenn Jody's partner in life and business, and I want to put flip-flops on bug's feet. Why? Just imagine, no more spiders sneaking up on you. That's I know true. You'd like that, blah, 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 and you'd be blah. able to hear centipedes coming from a mile away. Yeah, but that sound would just suddenly trigger like all kinds of freakouts. Flip flop, flip flop, F- flipping out for the flip flop. That's right. All right. Well, you know, let's put that in R and D. Okay. On today's show, we add another installment in our Three Signs series. Today, we talk about the three signs of burnout. And then we interview trademark attorney Josh Hallenbach about what small businesses need to know about intellectual property. And at the end of the show, I test Jody's knowledge on all things Halloween. Well, maybe not all things. Without further ado, let's get started with this episode of Couples Inc. Before we start and dive into our big topic, you might notice that at least I sound very different. You do sound different. Where's very Jody? different. I know. Who who am I? And what have I done with her? Mm. Well, and you also, if you're, I don't know, if you're following along, you might realize that we skipped an episode somewhere along the lines. To our hundreds of thousands of listeners everywhere, we apologize for skipping yes. that episode, but we have a good reason. We got COVIDized. Yeah, it, it was not good. So, I, I mean, I'm sounding much better than I did before. So we ended up skipping. So... Yes, it's episode eight, but yes, if you're following along and your math is like, well, this doesn't add up, we missed our last one, so we apologize. What do you mean it doesn't add up? It's perfect. Well, it adds up, so... It's perfect. Maybe we can, like, make an urban legend that there's a missing episode. (laughs) The lost episode. The lost episode, and then, like, later we'll release it from the Couples Inc. vault. It's at the bottom of the vault. For a limited time. For a reason. Oh, okay. Anyway, so we'll, we're um, so bear with us on our voices. We're on the mend. We're on the mend. We're feeling much better. So tested negative. Yes. Thank you for uh, all your your thoughts. I guess. Yeah. That we, you didn't we, know you needed to send us. It, it broke through the static. There you go. Anyway, so um, as I mentioned in our intro, we have been doing a series sporadically um, called Three Signs. Um, we might take a topic and just you know bullet point it down to three things. And this time we thought, let's tackle the topic of burnout, which... Burnout. Wait, just a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Burnout. Ooh, I like that. We need to always remember... You, you're the only person I ever knew that said, I like burnout. No, I, yeah, I don't like burnout, but I like the effect you just did with... Say it again. Burnout. So anyway, so I like the, the effect. I don't like the effect. For a little background, according to a recent article on uschamber.com, 48% of small business owners have experienced burnout in the past year. Mm. Past year. Not just ever. Past yeah. year. Yeah. So I totally get that. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. I mean, burnout happens on an individual basis. Like when you didn't own a business, but you work for someone else, you may have felt burnout. 
But now as a business owner, it's even more complicated. And as a couple owning a business, you have to navigate what does burnout look like as a couple, you know, if you're simultaneously dealing with it, or if one is dealing with it and the other is like having to compensate. Yeah, absolutely. The three signs. Let's talk with number one. This seems kind of obvious, but you feel exhausted. (sighs) And and that's not just COVID exhaustion. And that is COVID fatigue is real, but you feel exhausted. And when I was thinking about this as one of the signs and it's, I think it's a combination of like, yes, it could be physical exhaustion, mm-hmm. but it could also be just mental exhaustion where you've ever had those times where you just feel like you can't think. There's like a cloud over you and it just, it is exhausting to try to come up with ideas or, at, you know, sol- you know, solve a problem or whatever. There's just this level of exhaustion that is not a healthy, like, it's not like, oh, I worked really hard. You know, I earned my Friday night treat or whatever. It's an exhaustion that doesn't really seem to make sense. It doesn't go away as easily. Yeah. 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 You know, I've felt that. And one of my biggest symptoms is it interrupts my sleep habits. Mm -hmm. Which is funny. Exhaustion interrupts your sleep. You find it hard to sleep, don't you? Yeah. And I find it harder to fall asleep. Uh You know, usually if things are going okay and I'm normal, I can fall asleep anywhere. You have a gift. Just about under any circumstances. He has a gift. If I'm exhausted, that becomes very hard. And it becomes harder for me to have continuity in my sleep. To go a full six hours, seven hours, eight hours mm-hmm. without waking up. But I find it so amazing that you're able to survive on six hours of sleep any, anyway, really. It's probably leading me to an early grave, but I'm having a lot of fun. I'm not you're missing a lot many of fun. Things. You're not missing anything. You don't yes. have you don't have FOMO. You're you're no. you're living the life no, at no three AM FOMO free zone. Watching YouTube. Um no, it is ironic that you're sometimes the more exhausted you are the harder it is to sleep and you end up having some like minor forms of insomnia mm-hmm. and it's either. And then also to the pressure, like I got to get some sleep. I got to get to sleep. And then it becomes a spiral and you yeah. can't, the clock is ticking. Yeah. And you I'm look over awake in five more hours. Oh God. That's the worst. When you have to wake up early, it's three o'clock and you're like, Oh, okay. I've got two and a half hours. Okay. Got to go to sleep. Go to sleep now. Now, this uh, kind of exempts, and we're not trying to include mm-hmm. the group here of parents of very young children. Oh, yeah, that's a given. You're that, not going to. That's a different kind of exhaustion. Well, that's what I'm saying is like there's there is something to be said for like a healthy exhaustion. Like I've worked really hard, yeah. or you know, you, you it just you can. There's a correlation. Like okay, I put a lot of time in. I'm exhausted. I need to take a break. This exhaustion from burnout. It's not the same as, like you said, having small kids or a busy schedule or like, I know that certain times of the year, it's just so hectic for people, particularly if they have kids, like back to school season mm-hmm. or um, uh, Christmas time or May. People have called that May-cember because it's almost as busy as the holiday season. Sure. That's, that's an honest, authentic exhaustion. I think with this, it's like there's really no, I don't know, it just does, it just comes from you aren't motivated anymore. You're just just tired and there's an exhaustion and it just feels like a much bigger effort, like a, a you know, Sisyphus pushing the rock. Something that you would be able to normally do. Yeah. Just takes so much effort 
And it just seems, you know, and so you start thinking, well, why is that? If I'm, if it's not a health related issue or it's not a true exhaustion, it could be your sign of burnout. You know, one of the things that triggers exhaustion in me, and it's really insidious, is multitasking. Mm-hmm. There are times when I can multitask with the best of them and it's great, but only for short periods. I think for me, multitasking a lot of times entails putting an extra intensity into that time that I'm working. And so if I'm doubling or tripling up on tasks, it's like it takes that much more out of me. That's why I don't notice it right when I'm doing it, but it does show up afterwards. Well, that's why a lot of people say you can't multitask. I say in certain instances you can. Mm -hmm. Like you can listen to a podcast while you're doing something else. Um, That might not be a big brain activity. But I think if you have something that's equally brain-focused, then that's where that happens. But what you're saying is when you're dealing with burnout, you find even those things are hard to – you can't combine tasks as easily as you may have before. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that's definitely a clear sign. I think you just have to pay attention to where you are and, like, if you can't pinpoint a reason for the exhaustion – go to the answer is that it's probably some some sort of form of burnout. And then I call you. And then you call me and say, help. I need you to work the rest of my jobs, to do the rest of my work. Well, that's where sometimes having a couple, you know, you someone else can help pick up the slack and vice versa. So I can go take a nap. So you can take a nap. All right. Number two on the list is you and your spouse are arguing all of the time about small things. Yeah, this is, this is very specific to a couple in business. Because a business mm. owner... You know, you can have burnout and you might find yourself being fussy and disagreeable. But with a couple, you probably find yourself arguing about things. And it, like, it's not about the post-it note. Or I, I do have an obsession with post-it notes. But it's not about the, you know, uh, the, the ignored post-it note or the missing email. or It's something bigger than yeah, that. Yeah. One of the signs that I have seen uh, is becoming irritable mm-hmm. and impatient. Not like you do with me quite a bit? No, 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 no. Now... And argumentative? What? <laughs> and in denial? Um, no, you're right. I mean, it is where you're, you're more irritable, and it's probably, you know, a time to step back and say, okay, why am I so upset about this? It's probably not about the thing that we're arguing about. It's maybe I'm feeling just burned out with the day-to-day yeah. or burned out with business ownership. And this is where you have to be honest with your partner and say, okay, I am dealing with some burnout. You may need to pick up the slack. Or if you're both dealing with burnout, well, then maybe it's time for you to step back and say, okay, let's take an afternoon and somehow rekindle our energy and re-inspire ourselves to run this business together. Sure. Cynicism also, Mm -hmm. uh, becoming overly critical and maybe that goes into, it starts to seep into your work and the quality of your work. You can become irritable with customers. Mm-hmm. And that's a real red flag. I mean, it depends on your relationship with the customer. If you're, But if you're nagging at them, if you're starting to question all of their decisions and uh, becoming sort of short with them. And resentful. Yeah, that's that's a very good sign that you're you're feeling exhausted. You're feeling that burnout. Yeah, I mean, resentment, um, irritability, all those things. They're signs that something's bothering you, and your body is trying to tell you through your emotional actions 
that something is not right. If the same exact thing happened, but you were in a different mindset and your reaction was different, that's a, that's a clear sign. It's sort of like, you know, when you're in a bad mood, yeah. that's when things seem to, you seem to drop things. Inevitably, if I'm in a bad mood and in a hurry, my shirt will get caught on the closet door knob when I walk in. <sighs> I mean, every time. Those doorknobs, no. I know, they're they attacking me. It. But I, But here's the deal. I know that's probably happened at a time where I was not in a bad mood or in a hurry, and I just kind of laughed at like, oh my God, my shirt's being, you know. Yeah, you you become hypersensitive. You become hypersensitive, and so it's not the thing that's happening, it's your mindset. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, yeah, I've dropped things before, but I laugh it off, but if I'm in a bad mood and I'm, you know, or I'm in a hurry, the world is against me, and or the doorknob is attacking me, and it's just, so it's your mindset. And so you have to look and say, okay, this same interaction with a client or this same interaction with a spouse, would I be as upset if I weren't dealing with some sort of, you know, again, that burnout factor? Yeah, very often that's true. You know, my grandma had a little plaque that hung in her kitchen for many years, it said, the hurrieder and worrieder I go, the behinder I get. While grammatically very weird, yeah, it's, it, it is so true. Grammar and syntax are out the window on that one. But, but that is true. It does yeah. feel like the more I try to hurry and then again, throw in that up in a bad mood or again, dealing with burnout, it just changes everything. Everything is amplified and you just become like, you know, the world yeah. is against me. Yeah. I can't believe gravity is so strong right here. Or Especially the doorknob the doorknobs. is... The doorknob. I kid you not, it always seems to happen. Yeah. All right. Number three. This is kind of, they're all kind of somewhat connected, but you can't focus or get inspired to do your work. As business owners, we are either in a business that we love the craft of what we do, or we love the idea of owning a business. So we have this entrepreneurial spirit. Whatever the motivation is, you know, again, we've talked about this before. Say you're a baker. You didn't get into business because you wanted to own a business. You wanted to own a bakery or other business. You knew you always wanted to start something. So it may be whatever business you find, you know, that fits your your lifestyle. But either one of those totally authentic inspirations for running a business, owning a business and, and, you know, tackling each day. But when you're burned out, it is hard to find that inspiration. It is hard to find that joy. And that is where you really need to address it before it starts affecting your business and your relationships with clients. Yeah. Some of the symptoms of this for me are low energy, Mm -hmm. low drive to get things done, really. Right. Yeah. You're not as motivated to take on new tasks or a a different uh, kind of challenge, something that's new, even though it would probably replenish you. Mm -hmm. You're kind of hesitant to go down that road because you know that it would involve more work. Yeah. And your short term focus is on your burnout. Yeah. I mean, the things that bring you joy, like the things that when you're running your business, and we've talked many times about the things that you take joy in or you enjoy doing. Um, you lose track of time sometimes. You yeah. just get so involved in the project. It just becomes something that you feel less tired at the end of it. You mm-hmm. actually feel energized. So if you are like forgetting what it was that inspired you to start your business, yeah. then you need to step back and say, okay, I am dealing with some burnout here because there is something more than just 
you know, exhaustion or irritability. You know, this is yeah. the stem. It stems from the burnout. That's a symptom for me too. It's mm-hmm. going, it's funny that you would that you would say that uh, lacking satisfaction from accomplishments that you used to find fulfillment with. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's like depression. Yeah, you know, but it's in this case business burnout. Um, sometimes people might have a big burnout. You know, they've been in the business for a while and they just. Really, you know, it is a culmination of a lot of stresses, stresses, and they find themselves burned out. Other times, it might be like a seasonal thing. You know, you're you might be like burned out at the end of a really busy season, but give yourself some time and you're back. Do you find yourself kind of like you know an ebb and flow to to burnout? Or sure, yeah, and I think it at a stage of life kind of like mine is when you're advancing your career and you're getting on in years a little bit. Yeah. I think that's, that's what I've found. And I think that's what a lot of people find. Mm-hmm. Um, you've really been through so many business cycles that sometimes it seems as though nothing will ever be new or fresh again. And that's when you have to, that's when I have to challenge myself to take it from a different perspective, to start uh, doing some of the things, uh, putting some remedies in action and in place that keep me from having the difficulty mm-hmm. that that I'm facing. So what are some like? So you basically try to get re-energized. Yeah, one of the things I've started doing is taking little mini breaks mm-hmm. in the middle of projects. I will get so wrapped up, you know, the last, uh, well, since we've owned the business, really, getting so wrapped up that you spend four or five, six hours straight on a project, that's murder. Mm -hmm. And when you can't step away from it, that's when you can really intensify your burnout. So if, for me, I get up and take a five-minute break, I go get a drink of water, right? then five minutes later or so, I come back to it. That's just enough time for my brain to do something like shift into neutral, a basic task, and then come back and start up again. It really helps me. Yeah. I Well, we talked before about, you know, I'm one of the people, one of the first to say, let's get out of the office. Yeah. Going to lunch, you know, just so on a smaller scale of like mini burnouts, when you're, you're feeling like you've been just like you're tapped out, then taking those small breaks. Um, I think, you know... Taking time away from the office, the vacations. Sure. Those are really good to, you know, re-inspire you to come back. Sometimes for me to get out of a, I don't know, burnout zone, I sometimes like to look back at some of the big wins or some of the more creative projects we've done. And sometimes thinking back puts you in that mindset you were in oh, when yeah. when we created that or when we did that. Yeah. And yeah. I think too many times business owners, like you said, you're moving on to the next project. You you don't stop and assess and say, oh, wow, that was really a big win. That was really great. And sometimes even just remembering something can, can sometimes put you in that emotional mindset that you were in at that time. Yeah. So I find that kind of helpful too, like to look back and say, oh yeah, that was a really great campaign we did. Yeah. Or I really enjoyed that. And, yeah. you know, again, sometimes burnout just has to take, you got to take time. Uh, or sometimes you can kind of trick yourself into, it's like when you're listening to happy music, when you're not feeling good, it can sometimes help snap you out of a bad mood. Yeah. Sometimes looking back on some of your greatest hits of your business can do the same. Sure. And I, I think something too that helps is exercise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were on vacation a couple of weeks ago, we were in a place where it was really pedestrian friendly. Yes, And we walked it. so much that really on the first day, we probably walked four or five miles 
And I was very concerned before we started that trip that I wouldn't be able to keep up the pace. But after the end of that first day, I felt energized. I felt enlivened. It just mm-hmm. it had the opposite effect that I was concerned about. I'm sure your phone was like, who is this? Someone's stolen his phone. Yeah. The number of steps that were I'm glad like, I, I hasn't taken over everything because it would have, you know, probably called the local law enforcement. Basically, to recap the three signs, you feel exhausted, number one. Number two, maybe you're irritable. You and your spouse are arguing about things that really aren't about the things you're arguing. They're small things, but you're a little bit more intense. Yes. Or you, number three, you can't focus or get inspired by by your work. If you are facing any of those signs, then that's where you step back and say, this is burnout, and you try to find the solutions that work for you. For me, along with the exercise and re, you know revisiting wins, I also like to uh, search the fridge for cookie dough. It's raw cookie dough. Because well, no, it, if you baked it, it'd be a cookie. It'd be a cookie, and there's a possibility it could be burned out. In our interviews segment this episode, attorney Josh Hallenbeck with Mitchell Williams Law Firm talks about trademarks, intellectual property, and copyrights. This is something that we've been wondering about. You hear a lot about trademarks and registration marks, and you think about that for the big companies. Obviously, you're going to have, you know, Nike trademark, the Mm -hmm. swoosh, and all those other things, or whatever that would be called, I guess, registration mark. Trademark. Trademark. But what do small businesses need to think about when when they're thinking about intellectual property? Uh, Like, what would they need to do in terms of copyright or trademark? Yeah. um, Most of the time, your small businesses are going to be dealing with trademark unless they're in a particular area, line of work, graphic design, et cetera, and then you're going to be in copyright. And so it might be useful to just give a quick overview of Mm -hmm. what everything is so that everyone's kind of working on the same So the big three are patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And the fourth would be trade secrets, but we won't dive into that today. Patents are what everyone thinks of when we think of Einstein and Edison and inventing things like that. It's changed a little bit these days, but for today's discussion, if you're in the patent territory, you probably know it because you've invented something. Mm -hmm. Trademarks and copyrights, there can be some crossover when we're talking about starting a small business and branding and things like that. But we're going to put copyright for today's discussion primarily in the artwork zone. So unless you're creating something that you would probably consider artwork or the traditional copyright stuff, writing a book, et cetera, things like that, we're not going to be putting it in the copyright zone. So if we're going to focus on trademark and branding and small businesses and picking a small business name and and picking your maybe branding a product line or something like that, that would all be within trademarks. Then if we kind of go from there, we can talk either federal or state trademarks. Oh, wow. This is <laughs> Yeah, we're <laughs> going to mainly, yeah. mainly discuss and focus on federal trademarking. Mm-hmm. Um, that if, you, if you're in a small business, there might be a small local business. A state trademark might be relevant for you, but those only protect you in the particular state in which you register it. So federal trademark rights and trademark rights in general stem from use. So if you think of it, wherever you've been using it, that's where you have rights to it. So as a small business owner, and say you are have already been in business 10 years, 20 mm-hmm. years, um, and you're thinking, you know, I wonder if I should protect my business name. Do you need to at that point? Or is this mainly a discussion for people starting businesses? Yeah, that's a good question. We would recommend that people 
think about trademarking or at least talk with somebody about trademarking their name at the beginning. It's going to be much easier, much cheaper, better for everyone at the beginning. If you've been doing your business, running your business for 10, 20 years, it's not too late. Um, it can be harder at that point, and sometimes you can open up a can of worms, but you should still talk to somebody. Sometimes you can run in a problem where you've been in business for 20 years, you go to federally trademark it, and you find out that someone's already trademarked your name and that exact same thing, and that's where the headaches can start. So that's, it's always best to do it at the beginning, especially if you have any plans for expansion at all. Is there a, an arbitration process that you can take on as the representative of this entity that's got somebody else that's coming after them or is using their trademark and their image or whatever? Is, is that something that you can kind of preemptively go into in a discussion with the other party? It, it can go a lot of different ways. Typically involves some kind of low-key exchange between the parties at the beginning of like, a cease and desist letter or even a basic email or sometimes the client has already initiated the contact beforehand but usually there's some low-level contact beforehand where the parties are saying hey I'm Jimmy's Bake Shop and I've been doing this in this area for 50 years and you just started and I'd like you to st-, you know people mm-hmm. are getting confused formally though once it moves past that it can happen one of two places the Federal Trademark Office there's a whole body of kind of pseudo courts there where things are taken care of at the trademark office and then there's the federal court system and that's the other place that this would happen glenn and i were talking before about when we came up with our business name um we were looking online when we had a couple of different ideas and it i found it so difficult to find a name that hadn't been taken even if it wasn't trademarked it was mm-hmm. taken in terms of the website was owned by someone right. else or um they had a brand that was similar where in the past before the internet you could live pretty much oblivious in your own, yeah. yeah and there's an important distinction there too and we can kind of walk through the process of like someone comes through my door and setting up their llc and there's a difference between a business name and a trademarked name. And oftentimes, some percentage of the time, they're the same. But oftentimes, they're very different. Mm-hmm. And so we have clients who may get come in the door, hey, I, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to set up, I need to set up an LLC. Uh, and I want to trademark my name so no one else can call it that. Okay, great. Well, we they have a name picked out for their trademark. They think that's how they want to brand everything. And somebody has already, and they want to call their LLC that same name, but at the Secretary of State, maybe that name is already taken. Or maybe the Secretary of State says, that exact name isn't taken, but we think it's too close here. Is that enough for someone to say, legally, you can't use this because it's too close to what we have? Yeah, or, so, or it's causing confusion? So the, the, in trademark law, the term is called likelihood of confusion, and that's contrasted with actual confusion and you could even maybe further contrast that with our names are the exact same so trademark rights are further stripped down into different classes when you go to try and register them that's so you could use one name for a mechanic shop one name for a jewelry brand and one name for a type of software so for instance say you're a law firm and you decide that you're like anderson thomas and thomas and you Mm -hmm. decide to be at&t Mm-hmm. You could, it, you wouldn't Whoa. want to. I don't know if you'd want to, but legally you're a law firm, not a phone company. In its right? strictest example, that would probably be okay. Mm-hmm. Famous marks are entitled to broader protection. Um, okay. Like 
you couldn't open a mechanic shop called Nike because of this trademark doctrine called dilution. Uh, but in the in a if you're a less famous brand, then all bets are off. So a good example is there's a Pandora jewelry. Mm-hmm. We see the commercials on TV. Oh, yeah. And then there's a Pandora music service. And those are different. And so those are kind of famous brands where they're floating with the, the bump of people are like, wait, is the jewelry person now doing music or vice versa? So, but in general, we, we split them up into different classes. Oh, okay. And so then once we kind of get in the different classes and we kind of look at the two different trademarks that we're looking at, the standard is called likelihood of confusion. And it's a scale and there's all these factors and there's all these different legal tools that are used to figure out if X name is too similar to this name or your name is too similar to my name. If they're exactly the same, every, all, you know, everybody knows. It's, there's clearly could be some confusion, especially if you're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. If they're not exactly the same, everybody's going to argue that there's no confusion. You have to get all these experts involved and it's a very costly process. But I have yet to send a cease and desist letter for a client where the other party says, where we have different names and the other party says, oh, I get it. They're the same. I mean, everybody thinks theirs is different, understandably, because mm-hmm. otherwise you'd have to change your business name. So uh, I guess the other side of that coin would be, have you ever had a client that came in and wanted to create that kind of confusion strictly for the sake of publicity or just to, to kind of cloud the consumer picture? I haven't. Uh, that I mean, there are mm-hmm. kind of bigger examples where people are trying to claim parity, like there was a Starbucks case where guys started a coffee shop called dumb starbucks and he was arguing that parody applied that everybody knew it wasn't starbucks because it was called dumb starbucks but anyway they got in a whole case and they oh wow they figured it all out but no i've never personally had that and i would if i did have a client come and do that i'd be like please don't <laughs> yeah it, it sounds like it's better just to avoid having something similar anyway but like you're saying it's really hard these days yes. to pick a business name and every time, you know, a client comes and we, it's a rare day when a client comes and says, hey, we're going to start this new product or business or whatever it is that I don't have to give them some type of caveat and say, hey, there's this other federally trademarked brand out there that we, you know, there's a chance that there's some, the trademark office might think there's some confusion. And sometimes even if the trademark office doesn't think there's some confusion, the person has an option to interject and protect their trademark. I yeah. think that's good for people to know. I think I need to backtrack here and say that Dumb Starbucks is not a sponsor. Not a sponsored. Not a sponsor Dumb Starbucks. But they, they can't. If you guys want to reach out <laughs> reach to us. Reach out to us anytime. We're, we're willing to listen. So you do have the benefit if you've been in a, in a business for a while and used it mm-hmm. consistently over that time. You have an advantage in some ways because you, right. you get that. But you might be limited when it came, comes to expansion. Right. Or franchising. Right. And that's where the... So if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I got a cease and desist letter from somebody but I've been doing this for 30 years I'm feeling pretty good mm-hmm. I'm feeling pretty good that they're going to keep get to keep using it where they've been using it if they come to me and said hey I started this six months ago and I already got a cease and desist letter yeah the advice is probably going to be it's going to be cheapest to change your name does everything have to be trademarked no and it's not always economically viable or even necessary everything could be trademarked I'm going to put huge caveats around that but um, not everything needs to be trademarked. And then it kind of also depicts on, and we haven't gotten to this, picking a good trademark. And so there's a whole scale, a whole legal scale of strong versus weak trademarks. Mm-hmm. And so the strongest marks are called arbitrary and fanciful. 
And the weakest marks that aren't protectable are generic. So you can't start a bread brand called bread because everybody needs to be able to use the word bread without having yeah. someone having a monopoly over it. And so bread would be generic. Uh, and then you get in descriptive marks. And, and this is all on a scale. So sometimes mm -hmm. there's marks that are on that fine line between generic and descriptive. But it goes generic, descriptive, suggestive, and then it's arbitrary and fanciful. So I just love the idea that there's a, in a courtroom, someone is saying, but it is definitely fanciful. Yes. And they are. <laughs> and the, an example of an arbitrary of an example of a fanciful mark would be, it's a made up word that means nothing except that word means the brand or the product it stands for. So Exxon or uh, Kodak or things like that, that are completely made up words with respect to that product or service. Arbitrary would be, like Apple, it is a real word, it means something, but with respect to the computers, it's completely arbitrary. Suggestive, you get into like the copper tone. Um, so it's suggestive of the product or the service or the result that you desire to achieve. Um, and then descriptive, descriptive marks aren't super protectable. Um, and you have to use them for a certain amount of time and then they get over their descriptive hump. Um, it's about a five-year timeline. They're trying to convey to the consumer what their product is and also maybe use their name, which mm -hmm. falls in descriptive stuff, or their geographic location, which falls in descriptive categories. And so it, get, it gets kind of tricky, and so I kind of try to guide them out of that vein. Okay, yeah. it's quiz time. It is, and uh, we've we've hit upon the Halloween season as we're recording this. It's a couple of weeks before Halloween, and um, I just have three or four little trivia questions for Jody that I think uh, you, you ought to be able to ace this. I hope so. Because they I are hope way so. off the beaten path, and there's no way you're going to get any of the answers right. Oh, okay. So, so before we start, as always, or as of late, or just occasionally, we've changed the negative buzzer and the positive being to something else. Yeah. What's your plan for this since it's uh, all, all Hallow's Eve? Well, I think if you get a right answer, mm -hmm. it'll be a wolf howl. Okay. All right, I like it. Let's hear it. Perfect. Yeah. And wrong answer, you get an evil laugh. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. that's very evil. Yeah. Okay. So, so wolf howl really. is good. It's almost threatening. Yeah. It's a little scary, but that's the season. That's, Spooky. That's, it is what it is. Spooky season. And these questions are not they're not scary at all. Um, well, that's exactly what someone telling getting ready to ask scary questions would say. <laughs> this is true. You will not worry about this. Mm -hmm. All right. Question number one. Okay. Jody, mm -hmm. a Halloween tradition in Ireland involves hiding objects like rings and sticks in bread for people to find. Okay, that sounds very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. That kind of sounds like in the 80s they th said that razor blades were in all of our candy and stuff, and we'd go to the ER to get it x-rayed. I, I why why would you bring that back up? Oh, I don't know. Now it's a thing again. Not a good idea. Not a good thing. Never mind. Anyway, okay. Couples so, Inc. does not endorse oh putting my God, no. foreign objects in food. Yeah, so sticks and rings, okay? That bread is called... Uh-huh. Death a, by dough. Death by dough. Go ahead. 
death by dough. A. Blarney bread. B. Barmbrack. C. Leprechaun loaf. Or D. Dentist's payday. <laughs> okay, well, D is a given, but it's not the right yes. answer. Um, uh, leprechaun loaf? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Joey. Aww. It's the Barmbrack. Well, of course it is. And they used to put, this is really weird, back in the old days, they used to put things in there like the, the, the ring meant you were going to get married pretty soon. A stick meant that you were in, I think, in for uh, hard times. And they also used to put a rag in there. I don't know what a rag would be for except choking. <laughs> Choke, well, uh, yeah, it's a choke. These are all choking hazards. Yeah, I know. They, well, I mean. Okay, so that's one negative. Choking was a tradition back then. Who knew? Yeah, okay. Number two. Jody, in England, soul cakes, which are small cakes about the size of a cookie, are baked at Halloween. Now, in medieval times, this tradition goes way back, obviously, and in medieval times, children would go door to door with their soul cakes, and they'd also carry something on a stick. What was that thing? Was it A, a horse's head, B, a human skull, C, a rabbit, or D, tuberculosis. Well, yeah, everyone had tuberculosis, right? Sure, on a stick. On a stick. Um, okay, that is not at all where I thought it was going to go. I thought it was going to be like a bell or something like that. Um, I think uh, that would make sense. Yeah. I, uh, rabbit? <laughs> no, it's a horse's head. You are lying. That's, no, that's what this says. This said on the internet. It's got to be true. Good lord, medieval was well, medieval. Re- that's why they call it medieval. Medieval. That was ve- that's very I'm medieval. Get medieval on you. Or Godfather. Yes. <laughs> was yes. it? Wait. Now here's the question: Did that eventually become those like horses, like the the kids play around with a, the um, on the a stuffed horses stuffed head horses head? Was a, that where stick. it came from? Oh, I don't know. Well, we'll say a it stick is stick horse. Yeah, stick horse. Yeah. I was trying to think what it was called. It's, it's a horse on a stick. Yeah. What's it called? <laughs> I don't know. Stick horse. Um, okay, so a horse's head. What was the point? I have no idea. I didn't delve that deeply into it because, frankly, it's a little disturbing. Yeah, I don't blame you. That, yeah. That's that's where nightmares come from. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm... Yeah. Oh, for two. Oh, for two. All right. Ugh. Okay. Come on, Charlie. Get Question scared. number get three. Teng Che, or Ghost Festival, is a tradition in China that includes A, a puppet lion, B, a puppet dragon, C, colorful lanterns, or D, all of the above? Hmm. I'm going to go, because I feel like the dragon is New Year's. I'm going to go with the puppet lion. (laughs) It's D, all of the above. Oh. Yeah, they throw everything in there on on the ghost festival. And it's not, uh, from what I understand about it, it's not on Halloween it's like on the the end of the seventh or the beginning of the seventh lunar month after their lunar the seventh month after their lunar new year. Okay, kind of like the well, yeah, the new year isn't the same new year, so yeah. So okay. it would be in July, I think, sometime like that. Okay. Now, in the larger cities in China, sometimes, from what I've read, Halloween is taking off among the very young. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the teenagers and, and well, the, you know, kids today. Yeah, kids today they will go to costume parties and things like that. 
Okay. All right. Not doing well yeah, at all. Yeah, three. Come on. You got to step it up for this last, fourth and last okay. question. Okay. It's my only chance to get at least one right. Okay. Number four. Mm-hmm. Fave de morte cookies are eaten on All Saints Day in Italy. Okay. Modern versions of this treat are made with almonds. But what were they traditionally made of? Is it A, olives, B, spaghetti noodles, C, fava beans, or D, lava from Mount Vesuvius? I'm going to go... They all sound delicious. (laughs) Yes. Who could resist cookies made of? Lava. Um, I'm going to go with olives. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah. It's fava beans. Fava beans. Yeah. Fava beans are kind of mild in flavor, and mm-hmm. you can pour a bunch of sugar on them. Yeah, but now they're, guess, they're forever like associated with Hannibal Lecter, Lecter and so, that doesn't sound mild at all. Yeah, there's your uh, your silence of the lambs. You're 0 for 4. You get the lotion on your skin or else you get the hose again, <laughs> Jody. Thanks for listening to Couples Inc., a podcast helping couples work better together. We put out new episodes the first and third Wednesday of each month. But to make sure you don't miss a show, subscribe using your favorite streaming service. We're on all of them. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, go ahead, share it with others, post it on social media, or leave us a rating or review. And be sure to visit our website, couplesincpodcast.com, to learn more about us, review show notes, or leave us a message. Until next time.